Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Ben Jones. <laughs> I can't do it, man. I wanted to do it so bad. What? <laughs> I wanted to say that joke I said just before the uh, podcast started recording that I told you I couldn't say. See, that's my problem. When people tell me I can't do something, like, I just have to do it. Like, if my wife says, you know, don't throw that out, man. I literally will pick it up and throw it out right then because I'm just like that annoying little fifth grader who can't help but do what he's told not to do. You know what? I've learned about you that I can't ever say to you before a podcast. Now, Pete, don't say this. You'll say stuff before the podcast, and I'll be like, okay, you know, don't say that, Pete. And and now I just know, like, whatever I for sure don't want you to say, I just pretend like it's no big deal. And you just ignore it. You have to just ignore it because I'm I'm a freaking five-year-old, man. I'm just – it's the way I am. It's the way I built. Yeah. Yeah, but who's more immature, the five-year-old or the five-year-old who does a podcast with a five-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how'd you like my uh, score on the Star Wars? Uh, how much do you know? Thing I was, Facebook. I actually felt personal pain. I don't know if more for you or more for me, but it, it wounded me deeply. Because I saw, because you got the hundred percent. This is on the, you know, those Facebook questionnaires for everyone who's listening. You know, how, how much Star Wars knowledge do you have? And you got 100%. And so I clicked I on it to take it, and I got a 0%. Now, to be fair, it wasn't very difficult to get a 0% because all you had to do was look for the right answer and choose any other one. Is that what you did? Of course. Oh, Come on, how could I, you I, not pass? How could, like, you could guess, like, incorrectly at least 20% of the time. And I got 0 what? Made the snuffleupagus happy. He wrote C in his comments. I I didn't know like what personal victory he felt he had accomplished. I couldn't interpret it, but you know the uh, Hector Mora. You know, yeah. Hey, Henry got sixty. 
she took it and got 60%. Now, to be fair, I don't know if I would have taken it seriously. I don't know that I would have gotten 100% because, like, the Chewbacca question, the name of the actor, I knew it was Peter something, but all four answers were Peter. So I was like, I don't know, I don't know then. And the top one was uh, Peter Cushing, who played uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. So I'm like, ah. Oh. But then Peter Griffin. I guess between Peter Mayhew and Peter. I knew it was Peter Mayhew. I'm like, how could I even doubt that? But for some reason, when you're taking it in the pressure zone, you're like, Peter Griffin, gosh, that sounds kind of British, you know, but it was Peter Mayhew. The one that I absolutely took a blind leap on was how, now, seriously, how can you be such a, because parts of it were a nerd test. Like I knew, you know, Uncle Owen, Aunt Beru, I knew that, right? But how can you be such a nerd as to know how many members of the canteen band there are? Well, just, that I don't know if I would have gotten that question either. I took a flying leap, got the right answer, and was like, "Phew!" Now I can get a hundred. It was I knew seven, or others. was it five? Was it five? It was seven. seven. Yeah. It was seven, and I got the rest. But it was great to watch Andrea kind of like, mm, "I think it's this," and she'd take a stab at it, and she was right. Yeah. See, most of the, like the the easy questions were, you know, the Millennium Falcon and. You know, what did, how did, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi describe Tatooine or the Cantina? I mean, like, those were easy questions. So, it really, to me, it wasn't that, it wasn't that difficult to get a zero percent. You just look at what their right answer is and choose something else. No, but you know, Bill Murray has messed me up, like, forever now. Whenever I see the Canteen, um, I, I always hear Bill Murray. He, like, haunts me now when I watch Star Wars. Did you ever watch Zombieland? I never seen that. Zombieland is a great, great movie with Woody Harrelson and yeah. You've been telling me for three years to watch that, and I never have. And the kid who played uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg in the uh, social media movie or the Facebook movie. Well, um, Bill Murray's in Zombieland. He's got a cameo, <laughs> and it's the funniest thing ever because he dresses up like a zombie and he isn't one, so he puts on makeup, everything. That's he's, awesome. He's like. Well, yeah, this is how I get to golf over at whatever golf course it is, and I don't have to worry because he looks like that's a zombie. Awesome. So that's Bill Murray, and all he does is he golfs. It's great. Well, he did this um, sketch or sketch on uh, Saturday Night Live where he plays this like lounge singer, like the world's worst like lizard lounge singer, and uh, he he does Star Wars. He's singing. He's like Star Wars. If they should bar wars. It's so funny. And then he has this bridge. And he's like, and hey, how about that kooky Star Wars bar? Weren't there sure a lot of spooky creatures in there? <laughs> it's so funny, dude. And you can find what it is. He's at a ski lodge and they're all snowed in. And so he's the, the paid entertainment for the lounge. And he has to just keep making stuff up. And so that's what he does. He starts singing a, you know, Star Wars song. It's pretty funny. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, today's episode of the Church Planner Podcast is brought to you by MoGive, spelled M-O-G-I-V. Wait, let me let me set it up. And today's podcast is brought to you by MoGive, spelled M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I learned fast. Have you been waiting to get your church started with online giving? Have you been using uh-huh. PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Yeah. Are you are you adding comments? On, I am on yeah. the commercial. I'm making it more believable. 
Hey, um, Peyton, have you been waiting to get your church started with online giving? Why, yes, I have. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Why, you don't say, but I have. Stop it! A better solution is here. MoGive, and that's spelled M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> These guys are never going to advertise with us again. We, we just have to plug it. And then we can get away with it, right? Well, and I think we go above and beyond, personally. But let me finish off their commercial. MoGive is an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Go to MoGive.com forward slash church to learn more. That's M-O-G-I-V.com. M-O-G-I-V.com. Slash church. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. They, That's they, awesome. They, they, you know, they're given a long URL. You know, so that way as people are driving, they're now reaching for their iPhones and they're typing in mogiv.com forward slash church and trying not to get in a car accident all at the same time. I actually think that they're uh, singing now. That for the rest of the day, they're going to be singing that little ditty. And we need to come out with an album. <laughs> have that on there. We I do think have- we should have a best of. Mi Dragon is muy rapido. We need to have that. Because, dude, we're approaching episode 100. We need to come out with, like, greatest hits. I think we do. I think we do. I think we should actually take, on a serious note, take the cream of the crop from the last 100 and transcribe it and have it put together in a book of best ideas. And then we should have the compilation book that also goes with it. That's, like, the funniest jokes. Like, Mi Dragon is muy rapido. Jesus riding on a T-Rex. You know, some of the classics. Like, I still remember your wife who was like, no, you can't get Jesus writing on a T-Rex t-shirt. It's blasphemous. And you're like, those are the two things I love most, dinosaurs and Jesus. Why not put them together? And then Absolutely. And then the best comment ever was like, you go, wait till we get to heaven. If we see Jesus pull up on a T-Rex, I'm just going to look at you and wink. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He's like, hey, welcome. You can do anything you want here. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? Yeah. He's like, I don't he's think it's going to happen. sailing by on a dragon going, this thing's fast. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be um, it's gonna be the dog from the never-ending story. You know, the whatever that dog was called. It's a luck dragon, Pete. It's not a dog. It's a luck dragon. Dude, it's a dog. It's a it's floppy-eared dog. It's a luck dragon. Hey, all Chinese dragons look like dogs. You, you don't know your mythology, man. Well, that's actually quite true. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with you on that one. I just watched the first 10 to 15 minutes of that with Liberty. And, oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah, I did. And, um, you know, it was all we could get through, and then it was nap time. But the whole time, my wife and I, you know, because it was awesome when we were little, right? My wife I and loved I told it, yeah. Li- yeah. My wife and I are totally looking at each other, like, just laughing and snickering and going, lame. You know, because, like, they are the most bizarre, like, cheesy-looking people. Like, I mean, like, you had the dude, he's like the Grand Wizard or something. He's this black dude with these giant white eyebrows and this giant white mohawk. And he's walking around, talking all mystical. That's some weird stuff. Then you got these little people with ginormous heads bigger than our body. It's just funny, and they're just giant paper mache heads. Like it's really poorly done, but as kids, it rocked, right? Yeah, I enjoyed it as a kid. But then you know, look at what you were competing against back then. Oh yeah, you know. Well, and uh, 
dude, the Dark Crystal and uh, Labyrinth with Jim Henson. That's see, I hated Labyrinth. Awesome. I thought Labyrinth was horrible. I, I never liked it. Never ever liked it actually. The acting's incredible in that. No, I'm teasing. Isn't that the one with no, Tom Cruise? No, it's uh, David Bowie. Oh, you're thinking Legend. Oh, yeah, yeah, Man, yeah We're yeah, really yeah, off yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. I know. Okay, guys, if you're if you're here for the Church Planner podcast, first time, um, this is what we do a little bit. <laughs> a little. Bit. We're gonna get into some good stuff. I think we screwed around last time so much. My wife came in last night, and she goes, "Hey, you guys should sometimes script the show." <laughs> And I'm like, really? Like, why? She's like, well, I was listening to one about what to do when the pedophile invades your Sunday school. And she's like, and you guys talked about MMA for 50 <laughs> minutes. And then you talked about the pedophile for the last 10. She's like, first off. Well, what else do you need to know other than you don't let them in? I mean, that job done. Absolutely. And and not only, but she's like, you should have had me on there. That's what I do for every church plan. I'm like, I know. I go, but, you know, the MMA thing was because we just didn't want to talk about. Like, that's a horrific subject. And she goes, well, you're demon possession one, too. You told a lot of stories. And, you know, and I'm like, babe, I gave everything. The how-to one? Yeah, I I thought we were good on the how-to. She didn't think. She was like, no, you know, you you told. I'm like, babe, you're not listening. Obviously, you're pretty distracted driving. But uh, that thing, I, I well, gave, see, I I say you got to just leave that up to the the listening public. I mean, she doesn't count. She's family, right? So she's <laughs> like, you hey, like my wife telling me what she hometown, thinks, right? You, yeah, yeah. You got to let the people who kind of don't know us. I mean, now they kind of do. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up and go, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. You know, but uh, you got to yeah, like, what you, do they think? That's that's really what I would, you know, I'd go yeah, by what they say. Yeah, listener, here's here's what we do for you. I, my name's Peyton and I know Pete, so you don't have to. OK, so <laughs> don't don't feel you got to take on that burden or in this podcast. OK, I do on the knowing Pete for you. They're and usually trying to get me saved. So I would like to say that what you're getting is filtered Pete. You probably are, but not that filtered Pete. <laughs> No, actually, I would say it is pretty filtered. Yeah, yeah. Because so, hey, let's I, I get into our worse. topic. Let's get into our topic. We because, can, but uh, you know what? Before we do, um, I got another sponsor. I got to give mad props out to. Oh, we should we should invade what we're saying halfway through. No, and no, then, I'm doing it right now at the beginning. Oh, oh, here it comes. I feel it. Hey, Peyton, you've decided to start a church. Uh, I was thinking about it. You're excited, right? Oh my gosh! You're thrilled? Woohoo! Now you realize that starting a church has a legal side, Peyton. It can feel oh, overwhelming. No! Even downright scary. But it doesn't have to be. We're Start Church. We walk you through the whole process from start to finish, taking something hard and making it easy. The legal side doesn't have to be scary. It just has to be done. Let Start Church do it for you. Visit us at startchurch.com. How do you like that? Sanitized. (laughs) Sanitized? That could could go in so many different directions. Well, you know what? Um, Both both of our sponsors, by the way, you guys, we're having fun because we actually do really support. We, we, uh, We actually use this stuff. So... 
Um, you know, if you're looking, I have uh, dealt with Start Church. I have uh, I constantly use MoGive um, on multi multiple platforms. My whole network uses it. And uh, definitely, guys, check him out. Even though we're having fun, we're just having fun. We actually think that will give more attention because otherwise you'll tune out our ad. You'll be like, oh, this is the ad bit. But these are great guys. Star Church will help you to uh, actually get past all of the legal stuff. And Nathan is a church planter. Like, I can't underscore that enough. He, he feels your pain, in the words of Bill Clinton. I feel your pain. Absolutely. And the guys at MoGive, I'm just telling you, like, they are awesome. And you'll actually get to know, if you sign up, you'll get to know Kent uh, Woodyard, who is a personal friend of mine. I meet the dude for coffee. We talk. Um, I became friends with him through this. So if you're looking for a company that will give you more of kind of like a hands-on feel, someone you can talk to, that's that's how I like to do business. And especially with a church plant, you can call a dude up, and you know who you're going to talk to. He's like your personal rep. And uh, you just talk to him. Hey, I got this issue. And he'll be like, hey, okay, do this, do that. And he'll help you set your site up, everything. So anyways, good way to go. See, si, senor. So what are we talking about on today's podcast? So, you know, it, this comes out of jump school because, uh, as our listeners know, we do a monthly training, uh, I don't know what to call it, network, online network for church planners called Jump School. And once a month, we do what's called Band of Brothers. And I know you and I were looking forward to this because for you as an entrepreneur, you do something every month called, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I have no idea. What do I do every month? Oh, my mastermind group? Yeah, your mastermind group. That's what it is. And and so you're you're speaking with businessmen and these guys got to pay like, it's a lot of money to join. And then you have these other entrepreneurs and gurus speaking into your situation We've set that up for church planners. So you can come on and you can ask us almost any question. For me, it's the, the part I'm most excited about. Um, and, uh, you know, Pete and I will sit there and listen and, and, and hear what you have to say and talk it through with you. And so we had, it went way better. Like I was excited about it more than anything else, but it went, it blew my expectations. And at the end of that time, um, you know, some of the questions were so good. I, I want to kind of piggyback on the back of one of those questions. One of the questions that came up is someone said, um, how can we start thinking outside the box of church? And, you know, that, that was a fascinating. Well, and it was also almost like, you know, is it okay? Because he was, his point was, and I think this was Travis. I could be wrong on that, but I thought it was Travis who asked the question. Yeah, it was Travis, yeah. And he's like, you know, we're in between, and so we've been going around looking at a lot of different church plants and churches, and they all look the same. They're like cookie cutter. Everything looks the same. Just swapping out a different pastor, basically. Yeah, and, you know, you you, you go down the road, and you're like the, the next coolest version of church, you know. And, they, and And so what churches are doing nowadays is they're trying to be like the next coolest, hippest thing. And somehow church planners... And this is what Travis was bringing up is how, like, you know, he's like, I'm just, I've been going around visiting church plants. I'm planting in a, in a town. He's like, and I've been visiting a bunch of church plants. And he says, and what is really getting me is the gloss, you know, the glitz, like how church plants, it's almost like they're bent over backwards to, to just be shiny 
and sexy and this. And it is. In America, I think, you know, after being on the fields of Europe for 12 years, I think when I would come back to America, it really hit me how that seems to have become the mission strategy of many churches will just be the, the cooler church than the one next door. And that'll bring them in. And then someone else comes along and says, um, I'll be the coolest church and that'll bring them in. And it's just, it's a really bizarre, um, kind of thing where, I, and, and we suck. I mean, even if you go to, it's still church and your, your worship man may sound like, you know, old cold player you two, um, on a bad day and your preaching may, be watered down and not very funny and but it makes people chuckle a bit and gives a good feeling but yeah cool whatever you had the light showing the fogs and you know the fog machine going and everything and at the end of the day it's just like what are we doing different than the church on the road and that was the question he was asking is in church planting isn't there something like different i could be doing and I, I think it's true, isn't it, Pete? Like that, that's, that's the reason you ought to be church planning is to reach the ones that no one else is reaching. God knows there's tons of churches out there, probably in the city you're going to church plant. Why has God called you to church plant? Is it so you can be cooler, hipper, and sexier? I think we're working on a flawed line of reasoning. It says if I make it cooler, hipper, and sexier, the guy down the bar is going to be going, Hey, did you hear how cool that new church plan is? I feel strangely drawn to it. Uh, why no? Tell me about it. That that's not going to happen. Or you you attract all the the cool Christians, right? And so when one family's talking to another family, oh, we go over here to this church. They let you wear jeans. Like I remember that was Calvary's like big pull when I was a kid. I was like, wow, I could wear jeans if I went to church. Because <laughs> yeah. growing up Baptist, you don't wear jeans. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I think. Yeah, all that stuff. It, it's just it, okay. So the culture's moved on; it's revolutionized. But but what is it that you find in the Book of Acts that brought people in? And and I would maintain it's it's the presence of God. Mm. Uh, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the you know the Book of Acts bends over backwards, and I mean it bends over backwards to just tell you, hey, you know what? Go. And then, you know, Jesus tells him, go in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And then he says, but wait, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. Right. So I've told you go into all the ends of the earth, but I've also told you to wait, wait for power. So the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is really connected to mission. But then he goes on to say, um, you know, like Pentecost, uh, what I feel the Lord's telling us there is, the presence of God as he falls upon the church, upon the, the 12 and the, you know, the, the 108 other dudes that are there, um, and dudettes, that what happens is they run out into the street and there's a commotion. Somehow the presence of God has caused a stir. It says that they heard the noise. Well, you know, there was wind going through the place. They, it draws a crowd and, um, you just get this impression like God is saying, I am the pole. And really, shouldn't God be the pole after all? Shouldn't mm. shouldn't God himself? But what I feel we're doing, Pete, today in the church, and this is what God Save the Church is is going to be about, really, is my, my next book. Um, it 
it, it, what I feel we're doing is we're substituting everything else for the power and presence of God. Because it's harder for me to get on my face, stretch myself out, confess to God I have no clue what I'm doing, and to just say, I need you. I'm desperate for you. You know, George Whitfield threw himself on his bed at, at Christ College, Oxford, and cried out, I thirst, and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. John, John uh, uh, Wesley did the same thing when he was walking, walking down Aldersgate Street. Uh, he cried out to God, and God gave him full assurance, and you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This seems to be what nobody's talking about. And I can go to ministry conference after ministry conference, and you know, you're reading Cross in the Switchblade. We talked about that last week a bit, but like you know that that's what makes the difference between a move of God and a move of man. I can church plant in the flesh. I can plant a church plant that is all about me and all about what I can do. And it's not the same as what God can do. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, because here we are, right? We're, we're in this day and age where um, the church is losing, right? I mean, we're losing. And no one's asking the obvious question. We're not asking the right questions. Um, in the Old Testament, you had questions that Gideon asked, which was things like, um, you know, where's this God of wonders that our fathers told us about? You remember when he asked that? You know, he's threshing wheat in the wine press. He's afraid. He's scared. They're beaten. That's how the church is today. And he asked the right question. You know, he goes, where is this God that our fathers, like, is he, is he still around? Like, we need to be asking that question. Like, I got the book of Acts. Where is that God that my fathers told me about? Um, and, and, you know, even like I grew up in the Jesus movement, um, not during it, but after it, all the guys that were my pastors were hippies that were saved then. They saw the power of God work. And I asked that question all the time. Like, I don't see it in you guys now. You know, you're, you're, I'm not saying that some of you aren't walking in that, like tons of you guys walk in the spirit, but I'm not seeing that. You guys know deep in your hearts, you're not seeing that. Why aren't we seeing that? So like, for example, I'll see guys, um, uh, Old, old church planners who um, will see this generation of church planners. And maybe these pastors, that whole generation of pastors, pretty much planted their churches um, because they, they were Calvary chapels outside of any other denomination, all the vineyard guys. And if they wanted to start a church, they just went out and did it. And so you'll hear them sometimes when this younger generation today comes up and says, hey, um, Hey, uh, can you help me plan a church, you know, or can you, um, tell me what I should do? Often their attitude is something like, um, well, you know, in my day, we just, we just did it. You know, it was just us and the Holy Spirit. I mean, you just, just needs to be you and God. And although that's true, um, what, what I think this gen, the older generation of leaders is forgetting is that that was very easy for them because they were in a time where the Holy Spirit had just completely fallen. They were in the time of Pentecost, and the guys coming up today aren't. And where we're in danger now is like that time of Gideon where, you know, people are just kind of like, they've almost stopped believing that it's possible today for the Holy Spirit to move like that. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, that's a very, very real um I'm not saying they don't, yeah, and I'm not saying, Pete, like they don't believe. I'm saying that they haven't seen it, 
And like the, not well, my you know, generation. here's the interesting thing. Like, as I look at it from my own personal um, experiences, it is, I, I really, you know, it's so funny, man. Now when I, I read the, the Bible, it has a completely different impact on me than at any other point when I read the Bible. Hmm. And to the point where I, I cannot tell you how many times I've had this thought go through my head. Was I even saved before? Like it just has a totally different impact on me today than it did even five years ago. And the, I mean, the only difference is what I do now, right? All the church planters we work with being in a church plant, but actually seeing the power of God. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that when you see it play out, it changes everything for you. At least it has for me. Yeah. And I know Absolutely. I'm just like barely scratching the surface. Like I I really really don't want to have to be in an exorcism. <laughs> but I got a feeling that if you're in one, it kind of changes your your outlook again, you know, like wow, I guess this stuff is real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and what was really cool is like with Jimbo. I got a kick out of watching Jimbo because I was fresh back from Europe and of course I've been working with a guy named Jeff and, uh, you know, we had seen the spirit move quite a bit together. And, um, and so I was coming back and I knew I'm like America's debtor in a doornail. Brit- Britain's church may be small, uh, and they may be just absolutely engulfed by postmodernism and post Christianity, but dang it, they're strong. Mm. They are strong. Um, the evangelicals there are tough. And I can remember when Mark Driscoll was over there and he's like, you pansies, you know, why aren't you, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, why aren't you guys boldly reaching your community? And the soil was completely different over there. It's hard. It's post-Christian. It's post-modern. It's where America is going. And the church here is just struggling with it. But I'm telling you something. Those Christians that are surviving there are tough. They are survivors, right? There's a reason they're still standing over there. And and they had to fall back on the Holy Spirit um, because there was no other choice in order to survive. They've had to. So we would see things because we, again, you know, like I always say, we had to go more first century to see anything. We were desperate enough. The church, I believe, in, in the West is being made desperate enough to fall back on the Holy Spirit. But what, what I feel we're seeing right now in the church is death throes. So a lot of the articles that are coming out, and, and what I mean by that is is the last-ditch attempts to try to change things in the arm of the flesh. Because the church has been operated by the arm of the flesh for so long now that it, it, you're seeing like, well, what if we try this? And what if we try that? And we'll have these seminars that will tell you about the, you know, the three top secrets of and you go and you're like, it's lackluster. You're just like, really? That's, that's fool's gold. Like that looked good from a distance, but you actually really didn't give me anything that's going to change my ministry. Because at the end of the day, at the end of all this, really, you have to get on your face before a holy God and pour yourself out to him and say, God, I can't do this. And we're going to talk about risk because the other thing you have to do is be willing to step out where the Holy Spirit would meet you. And that is on mission, right? But uh, before that, let me, because I know you have a lot to say about that. You you contributed some awesome stuff on Jump School. So I'll shut up here in a minute. But one one of the things I want to point out is that um, our 
uh, our pattern is is completely mirroring and mimicking Britain's pow- uh, pattern like, I don't know, 50 years ago. So if you think about it, like, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis, I've said this before on the podcast, he's making a lot of sense to Christians now. I just polished off his biography written by Alistair McGrath. Awesome stuff. If you can read it, I highly recommend it. But he was facing the culture that we're facing. That's why suddenly he went, hmm, people won't listen to preaching anymore. I will write fiction, and I'll reach people through fiction. Or he goes on the radio, and they just wanted something positive. So World War II, they said, let's give people something positive. Um, let's not pick a priest or a pastor or a clergyman. Let's just get a layman. Well, we got this really smart guy who's written a couple books named C.S. Lewis. Um, let's have him talk about God because he's not a priest. People might listen to him. It's just some dude's thoughts. And so that was the climate 50 years ago, right? 60 years ago in Britain. And I say 50 years ago because I'm going on the 60s back then. Um, but if really we're talking like 70 years ago. And I've always maintained that America is somewhere around 50, 60 years behind Britain in its spiritual climate. And so our decline is mirroring that. That's why suddenly people are going, C.S. Lewis, oh my gosh, he was awesome. It's because suddenly he makes sense to us because our culture has now finally caught up with Britain in the 1940s and 50s. That's why C.S. Lewis is now saying, a few years ago, he was more kind of like, um, I would say a delicacy of Christian reading, where Christians read him and he was an acquired taste and People would go, oh, you know, he's, I don't understand everything that Babbler's saying, but some of what he said is kind of cool. He, he thinks outside the box for sure, but uh, he's kind of smart, you know, maybe smart guys do that. But now people fully relate to him, and it's because he's speaking to your cultural context, because America is now where he was then. And so we can learn by looking ahead to Britain. So really quickly, I just wanted to, to kind of say, like, you know, trace quickly what the church did in Britain to try in the arms of the flesh to stop the growing tide of post-Christianity, post-modernism that was slowly engulfing them. And as, as I read this, just see if this is what you see happening today and see if we're making the same mistakes that Britain made. Because, you know, they were once, uh, uh, back in like the, the, you know, I would say the, Gosh, like the 40s, even the 50s in Wales, you could you could street preach and people bring their folding chairs outside and sit and listen to you because, um, you know, there wasn't TV back then. But um, within 20 years, that had all changed, you know. Um, but but here's the first thing they started doing. They started changing the theology. They said, well, you know, maybe some of what we're saying is impalatable to modern people. So let's water down the, so they started watering down the idea of hell, right? Hell was one of the first things to go. Um, The exclusivity of the gospel, the fact that, well, maybe there's another way. And they started playing around with, you know, looking at other religions, universalism started creeping in. And, um, you know, all of the, the Bible being the word of God, as soon as the, as soon, and this was the effect, as soon as Preachers started playing around and speaking more liberally. It emptied their churches. They, you know, so they changed our theology. And then, you know, like that's the problem, right? It's our theology is impalatable. You know, the word of God's too much for people. So let's change that. Then when that didn't work, the church started doing really funny things in Britain. Like um, they started portraying like 
um, like a chaplain who would go and smoke and drink with the, with the soldiers, you know, and they started holding guys like that up, you know, like, Oh, you know, that's what we need is we need Christians who will smoke and drink. And, you know, and I got no problem if you smoke or drink, I don't know, but you can see where it's going. We're like in our culture, you know, today it's guys who cuss and smoke weed. That's becoming the thing now with uh, pastors to show how cool they are so they can go out and show the world, Hey, we're cool, you know? And at each point, it's always going to a form of, Hey, we're going to lower God's holiness or we're going to lower revelation that God gives, or we're going to this and that. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not a fundamentalist. Um, I'm open to, Hey, if this is what science says, you know, that's cool. What does the word say? And maybe I've misunderstood this or that and the word, like I'm always open to, you know, being an educated understanding. So I'm not a Neanderthal. Like, don't get me wrong in saying this, but you can see these patterns now where America is finally going through its death rows as it's, as it's losing its hold on culture. It's trying to lower everything to try to get culture back. And, 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 you know, okay, so that's what we need is we need to start cussing to show that we can say the SH word or the F word and still love Jesus. Yeah, that's the problem. That's what the world has needed to see all along, or we can smoke weed or whatever. If they saw that, man, they would be so much more open to the gospel. And so that's the crap that they were doing over there. You know what's interesting, though, along those lines for years, and you would know today if it's still the case, but for years, the fastest-growing church in the United States was the LDS, the Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And that's got to be one of the most conservative, uptight groups in the in the world. And yet they were growing faster than anybody else. Absolutely. Well, because people, what what's really happening, what I think the church needs to do is realize culture is what it is, but the church should stay what it is. And, and I don't mean in a bad way. Like what I love is we're seeing things like, um, oh yeah, you know, um, you know, let's not judge as much. Like that's cool. Like let's not judge as much. Let's reach out towards homosexuals and love. Let's be proactive. You know, we've talked before, haven't we, about, you know, the church rather than condemning, uh, the gays when the AIDS crisis hit saying, well, look, you know, God says what he says, but we're going to champion the cause of AIDS research. And we're going to champion, like we're going to run in there like as if you had malaria and like missionaries do, they run to, to aid people with all kinds of sicknesses and illnesses to be a witness. We could have done that and we missed the boat. Where I think the church is leading right now and, and has, uh, you know, it did in the beginning, it lulled when it decided it was evil and now it's starting to pick it up again through things like Celebrate Recovery is recovery ministry. Um, recovery ministry is, is the bomb. And it's, it's the church rushing in to say, Hey, you guys are, are destitute and we need to help you. We need to do that with poverty. Um, Bono has been saying for ages, like, look, man, you know, I'm, I'm working with all these government leaders and organizations. Where's the church? You know, like, where are you guys? Like the, those are all ways in which a church does need to change. But, um, but, but again, they, they did the same thing with that, too. They also introduced what was called the social gospel, where they did say, well, gosh, maybe what we need to do is just show people that um, we're just really nice. And people see how nice we are, and then they'll come to Jesus. And, and what actually happened was, because, again, all these things, although we want to be nice and you know we don't want to judge and all that, that's not the problem. That's not what the book of Acts is telling us we need. The book of Acts is telling us 
we need the Holy Spirit. And so then what happened was um, the presence of God in the church. Again, I'll keep coming back to that. But before I finish, let me make one last point, and that is that um, my mentor was a guy named Peter Jaffrey, my, my preaching mentor, and in many ways my ministry mentor, um, you know, years probably starting back in like 94, um, so last 20 years. And he's still alive. Uh, he was personally discipled by Lloyd-Jones and um, ended up taking his church Sandfields. That's, that's how he got there, really. Um, but, but the idea is that this guy, um, he had an, a revival breakout in rugby, rugby England. Yeah, that rugby, where rugby came from, um, in the eighties at a, at a church called Station Terrace. And his name was Peter Jeffrey. And he went away on a, a pastor's retreat and they were just talking about the need to evangelize. And he came back burdened, like the Holy Spirit had been moving at this pastor's retreat. And he came back and told his congregation, look, I'm burdened. We have to do more. We have to get out there and try to reach people. And and he confessed to him. He goes, I don't know what to do. Like, I need your help. But let's let's just do something. And as they did, um, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started coming to their church in a big way. And what what ended up happening was um, the Spirit fell. And, and, and the church at this time was going through this whole battle over modernizing the service. Like they were still playing pipe organ. And I mean the church in Britain in general, because that was the other thing. Well, maybe if we modernize, you know, if we make it really cool, then people will come. And so, so Britain did the modern thing. It didn't work because culture, uh, doesn't care about a cooler church service. And eventually what, what happened? They did modernize. But it was after the spirit had fallen and they had a streak where for a number of years in a row, somebody was saved every single week. And, you know, in Britain, to say that in America, you're like, oh, yeah, because we have an altar call. No, different story. over there. Like the, the, the church just exploded where people were sitting in the aisles and church fit about 500 people. So it went from a little teeny congregation, you know, within a matter of two years to like, you know, grew by like something like a thousand times, you know, so it's pretty cool, really, really cool. But, you know, all that to say, we mask the true symptoms and nobody is really asking the right question. Let me just throw it out to everybody. You know, how often do you hear when you hear of a a leader's conference, how often do you hear about the Holy Spirit? How often during that time do people like just actually call a prayer meeting? In the middle, you got a bunch of leaders together. Why aren't we praying together? Why aren't we doing what they did in Acts chapter one? You know what I can't stand what? is when you go to a pastor's conference and the pastor doesn't even crack the Bible open. <laughs> I have corrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and gosh, man, if have you and I ever been to a conference where you've failed to crack the Bible open, Mr. Pastor? <laughs> where, what, where was that? Exponential. I, that's so funny. The I last, really your last session. And oh. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to go through the whole thing without cracking the Bible. And then you did. And you know what's funny is I'm up there and I had just had a rant about that where, you know, like I had on heard the podcast. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and the speaker was like, be the best you, you can be. And it was just kind of like, it, it felt like Oprah was talking to me. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm up there and I have not, I've forgotten to crack my Bible. I'm reading from the Bible, but I, I don't even know if I had, I don't remember what had happened. We, had, we had like, we were, it was landed. first thing in the morning. We, we were, it was rushed trying to find the room. 
we were on a three-hour time change, and it was just so. And funny. it was a horrible was, audience. Like they were too early in the morning themselves, it was, and like everyone yeah, was we dead. Were, it was we weird. were all on Western time, and like everybody was. Yeah, it was comatose. And I remember I'm up there, and the whole time I'm distracted by the fact that I cracked my Bible, and I'm like, you know, they like slow beat us, and I'm looking at you like this did not escape Pete's notice because I just had my rant on this. But it was too because ago. I wasn't as like up in arms about it as you were. I'm like, you know, it depends, man. I can't, I can't just jump down people's throat for not cracking the Bible. You know, I can't. I think it depends. I think there's a time when you crack, and it's a time when you don't crack. There is a time to crack and a time not to crack. That <laughs> crack, is very crack kills. Crack kills. No way. Spirit brings life. The law kills. Crack and the law kills. <laughs> Cracking the spirit brings life, brother. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, so yeah. So, anyways, um, all of that to say that I, I just feel I, I so often when I'm reading the scripture, I read about like northern Israel and how they had just they had given themselves the idols, man. And I know I'm gonna sound like the old curmudgeon and the old like you know, say it the Lord God, you know, like the old guy jumping out of the bushes with the giant mule choker Bible. But I do, man. I, I just get so grieved at times. You know, I'm reading the same feeds everyone else reads, and I'm I'm noticing the same trends. And I'm just like, if they only knew, like, they're just following the same pattern that Britain followed. But the, the good news is it will eventually lead America to just get on their faces before God and cry out. Um, just like judges, man. I just see us like judges. You know, right now it's like, I go to a conference and some dude's cussing from the pulpit. I'm like, oh, God, help us, you know? But, like, and it's not like I'm going to shrivel up. It's not you, like. You want to know? I had that cuss. experience recently in a uh, Facebook video. And the Facebook video was of this Bible making company, manufacturer, and they're manufacturing these Bibles. And the cover of the Bible was a nice leather cover with the American flag all draped over it. <laughs> and and all the comments on Facebook, oh, man, I want one of the, And I was like hanging my head in shame going, seriously, do you not get that? <laughs> I mean, these are two totally different things. And I'm going to drape yeah. the Bible in the American flag. Oh, man. And I love America. Don't get me wrong. I love America. Just put a gun on it, Pete. Just put a gun on top of that baby, man. The Bible and the gun. The Bible and the gun. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, this is going to help reach the lost. This is going to help reach the lost in America. This is going to help reach the lost in the world. Oh, yeah. This is exactly what we need. <laughs> I was just With like, tears in my eyes. The glory. Old glory, put old glory on my on my Bible. I was just like, you got to be kidding me, man! And just but to see hey, everyone's reaction to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I and, want hey, one of those. I, I, I love America as much as a nice guy, but hey, you know the reality is, yeah, it it this whole thing, and that's what some people are falling to. Other people are are clinging to politics, like they're falling into politics will save us, you know, and it. No Dude, guys. I was like so into politics. I told you I had a radio show. It was a political radio show. And I mean, I am so stinking conservative. I can't stand Republicans. Like that's how conservative I am. But it's like 
I realize none of that is going to help out in the long run, right? I mean, you know, you got the old uh, verse, what is it? Profit a man to gain the world, but to lose his own soul? It's the same thing, man. What does it profit to, to, you know, uh, get Republicans in office and do all this stuff if everyone's still going to hell? It doesn't matter. Well, that that's the thing that kind of made me nonpartisan. Um, plus, living in Britain, where they have a three-partisan system instead of a – actually, more than that now. But in America, you know, you've got like the bipartisanship. It's just opposite speak. And, uh, you know, again, um, you know, it, it's basically like, does the Republican Party represent me? No. You know, does the Democrat or does it represent Jesus? I guess. No. And the, it, what's sad is to see people um, believing that it does represent Jesus as if the 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 church or the kingdom of God and the Republican Party are, in fact, the same entity. You know, I'll ask people all the time who are like, <coughs> excuse me, really like me, who, who I used to be. They'll be like, hey, so tell me if uh, Jesus was here today, would he be registered as a Democrat or a Republican? Yeah, he wouldn't be registered as either. Are you freaking kidding me? It's like yeah. you think well, he would well, really be know. part of either one of these? I mean, yeah, like, his focus wouldn't even be on politics at all. And why is our focus so on politics? Well, and like the Democratic Party, you know, they're they're giving to the poor and all that. Uh, you know, there's as much corruption on that side as there is on the Republican side for everything they say and do. So let's not be naive when they talk about it. It's to well, see, I used to say. One party lies, steals, and cheats, and the other party tells you they're going to lie, steal, and cheat. <laughs> so which one do you want to be with? Exactly. And so, you know, but you do. You see, you know, with those ideals, you see that that partially represents Jesus as much as, say, the moral standards of the other one represents Jesus. Like, each party has elements, but you can't look at the kingdom of man ever and say this kingdom of man represents the kingdom of God. That was the mistake that Mm. the disciples kept falling into. And Jesus kept going, guys, guys, I didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. I mean, we're just as stupid as the disciples. That's the good news. You know, Jesus can work with us like he did them. And they had to slowly see it. And I believe that, again, these are last ditch efforts for people to hold on to. And we, you know, we're talking about the question that Travis raised um, can we do something different, which we we haven't really necessarily hit on. I, I would I would say that we we hit on this again next week um, and we tackle, you know, kind of part two, like how could you do it different? But the first thing that needs to be different is you have to say, are we going to be an Acts chapter one church so that we could be an Acts chapter two church? And Acts chapter one, one church got on their faces before God. And cried out to him, are you going to be the church plant? It isn't just cooler, hipper, sexier, um, has watered down theology or, um, has the guy that drinks, cusses, um, you know, smokes weed and he's cool. And then he's got tattoos all over because, you know, it's cool. Everyone needs to be cool. Um, and then your church service is uber cool. Um, you know, are, are you going to just get on your face before God as a church plant and say, God, your presence needs to be here? And we can't do jack without your presence. It's us doing everything unless you turn up. That's what it has to be in church planning. And I know this is a little bit different of a, of a message and, than what you'll hear because it's not popular. Because what it's telling you, church planner, is I don't have the silver bullet. I don't have the magic formula. All I've got is Acts chapter 1 and 2, um, which I think the Holy Spirit 
you know, kind of put up front because it was really important. And you, it's, it's you and the Holy Spirit. Are you going to get on your face before God? And you can try to substitute that with everything else, but you've got to ask yourself, am I ready to seek God? Am I ready to get on my face? Am I ready to pray and to ask the Lord to plant this church through me? And that's what it has to be. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we talked about yesterday on the uh, jump school call was um, in in trying to be different, and and not and what I mean by be different is it's not necessarily being different for the sake of being different, but to reach different groups. You know, as Paul said, I've become all things to all men. You know, um, that that same concept of we've got to reach groups where they're at. Like in marketing, we call it entering the conversation that's already going on in their mind. When we uh, talk at someone, like I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I'm working with one client right now who's actually done advertising in uh, Church Planner magazine, though they haven't advertised on the podcast yet. So we'll have to we'll have to remedy that. Um, but uh, they they were doing some advertising and <clears throat> it wasn't very effective. Like they were doing advertising on Facebook. Actually, uh, let me take that back. I thought it was actually kind of effective. Once he told me the numbers, like he was generating leads that were costing him between nine and $16. And that's pretty dang cheap for what they offer. Right. And, um, so this week I started doing, uh, their ads for him and we were getting lead costs right now. They're down around $2 a lead, which is like, good night. You know, give me every lead in the world. If I can get them for two bucks each, cause you just can't help but trip into money when you got leads that cheap. The difference was. He is, his ads were talking at people and my stuff was entering them where they were already at, entering that conversation that was already going on in their head and not just trying to like sell to them, but you know, almost like a missional community, right? The point of a missional community is to get to know people. Well, the best way that you can sell and whether it's selling the gospel or selling a product is you got to get to know people. I mean, yeah. no one cares what you got until they get to know you. And uh, I mean, my, my whole point in all of this is w- one of the things that we talked about yesterday on Jump School's call, uh, I should say you talked about, was, um, you know, like the biker <laughs> church. a lot. You did. Yeah. Well, at that point, I mean, it went really long. I mean, it was like an hour and 40 minute call and um, my wife took off and I had to watch our three year old. So I'm like trying to mute the phone. You know, he's got his TV playing and then he's coming over to me and talking, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So you were doing most of the talking at that point. But you talked about um, doing a, a biker church and what that might look like. And you talked about, um, you know, an astronomy, you know, for a people who are really into astronomy. And the the funny thing is about being different and being out of the box, but again, not for the sake of being out of the box, but for the sake of reaching people. The difficult part is that when we look at church and we see what everyone else is doing and we're not doing that, we immediately stand out and we feel awkward about that. And everyone's going to tell us that we're different and everyone's going to say, well, shouldn't we do it like this? You know, shouldn't we do it that way? Oh, Hey, you know, I was just over here at this church and look at what they did. Yeah. And the pull to like go back into the cookie cutter format is so strong. Like in marketing, it is, it is immensely strong. 
when I do my type of advertising, which is what's technical, technically the term is direct response. And it's usually very ugly, uh, as you know, Peyton, <laughs> as you and I've had many a conversation on. But Pete, I keep trying to tell you, ugly sells. <laughs> and, and it's not what everyone's used to. Everyone's used to the really pretty ads and what's called brand advertising. And it's like, okay, but mine's effective and brand advertising isn't. Mm. But the pull is, yeah, but I want it to look pretty. And like, and the worst is when your, your, uh, colleagues start telling you, well, you know, your stuff's kind of ugly. Why don't you do it like this? Or you see someone else and you're like, mm, maybe I should copy them. And then your employees go, well, you know, this is what they're doing over there. Maybe we should do our stuff like that. And then your spouse, the spouse is always the silver bullet for most of my clients. Well, you know, my wife thinks we should do it like this. And it's like, okay, first of all, we're not judging this based on results. Right. And in marketing, it's all about the results. I go, let's just let the numbers tell us what to do. And I'm all for pretty if the numbers are there. But if the numbers aren't yeah. there, I'm not worried about it. In the church, Absolutely. it's about reaching the lost, right? Yeah. Like, let's yeah. look at the results. I don't, you know, you you know me. I hate praise music. I think it's nails on a chalkboard. But right now in Refuge Long Beach, we're reaching the loss. So it's like, whatever, dude. If that's what is going to do the job, then let's do it. But we, I guarantee we you, hip hop worship or a mixing desk to lead worship on. See, I mean, if we, we really did that, that, one, I think we'd explode. But two, I think it would be ruffling the feathers. The leadership at the church would have to have, for lack of a better term, the balls to continue doing that because yeah. everyone's going to sit there and go, oh, you know, this is not the way the other churches do it. Well, okay, and, and let's just look at this for a second. Why doesn't the other churches, why don't the other churches do it that way? This is what I wrote in Church Zero. Cha-ching, that's what had made me so frustrated was I was looking around going, you know, if I run a church out of a Starbucks, it doesn't pay, but I reach more lost. And the goal was always to reach lost people. The goal of the church was not to make money. And the reason we are so glued to the model and why we always get sucked back to the model is we know that the box church and the big numbers will make us money. And big numbers of Christians, not lost people. Because what the lost people that are not getting reached you realize that when you go out to places where there are no churches and you see that it's lower economic, uh, people who can't, even if they tithe, they can't give you a lot of money. So you're not going to get rich. We were looking at going into the gas station and a buddy of mine, he's a good friend of mine. Um, he, he texted me and said, bro, I'm not, um, cool with this. I think it's a big mistake. And he said, you know, we're going backwards from, you know, already in the school, we're meeting out on the benches. But he said, bro, we're going backwards. And I, I text him and said, only if God, only if God is calling us to go forwards towards a megachurch. Otherwise, we're going forwards deeper into the belly of the beast where lost people are at. And if God is calling me to So this person that, thought going to a gas station is going backwards from the school? Because their model is the megachurch. Mm. Their model is, but we've been doing all this work to get to a box church, right? Like we're, we're, we start in a park. Now we've meet, now we meet in a school, even though we meet outside of the school. Um, it, it just to them seemed the normal progression. Eventually we'll get our own building and that building will be more like a church, right? 
no, the building that we're going to get is more like a mission outpost, right? That that has no like literally church without walls, and that's a re- and it's radical. And you know, it's not going to pay. We're not going to get all the rich people or upper middle class to come and tithe. Hey, that sounds great. Instead of going and sitting in an air conditioned building, I'll be exposed to the street. And I'll have people in the hood in Long Beach coming in, eating breakfast, people from gangs, people from, you know, criminal back. That's where I want to go and spend my money, right? But we sell out. And that's what you're saying. That's exactly. We look at what other people are doing. Well, that's working for them. So I'm going to do that. Never mind that Jesus in every single revival, um, every time the Spirit's moved, what has he called the church to do? To get out of the church. Jesus's ministry for three years was outside. Note, I'm not saying you all have to do outdoor church. That's that'd be stupid. But but just think of it now. Jesus barely darkened the door of the temple, right? Um, Paul, most of his ministry was outside. Um, these guys went where the lost were. They didn't expect the lost to come to them. Jesus didn't minister in churches for three years. God Himself came from heaven and decided, I'm going to go where churches don't go. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you said, the, the difficult part is when the pressure starts coming. And it, it comes from your colleagues. It comes from, like you said, you know, people in the church. It'll come from your leadership team. And the toughest one is when it comes from your spouse. Like, <laughs> I knew this guy. I'm just going to share this real quick because this really, like, underscores the point he ran an advertising firm and their joke was that all they had to do was find a client where the spouse really loved little white poodles because all they had to do was put a little white poodle in all the commercials that they did for him and the client would never go away because the wife is sitting there going oh but i really like the commercials that they put out right it was like that's awesome he was using that peer pressure to like lock in a client and they'll never leave us cuz they didn't care if they got the result or not they just wanted the client right but that just underscores the peer pressure that you get even from family and that's why i think it is and we've talked about this so much on the podcast the dna of your church has to be so repeatedly indoctrinated like this is what we're here to do so when stuff like this does come up and you know like in your case someone texts you and says hey you know what i think we're going backwards this isn't cool you're able to say no i know what the dna of our church is i know what we're doing our goal is to reach the lost now maybe it's in a gas station maybe it's still at school maybe it's back in the park whatever it is doesn't matter that's what the goal is and it, it yeah. makes your decision much easier in how you respond to people later. Absolutely. And so when we talk about doing something different, guys, the, that's the thing. To have the presence of God there to reach a loss. That is the only thing really that's going to attract people that really need Jesus. I mean, you can attract them with other things and then give them something else. I'm not saying gimmicks don't work sometimes, but I'm just saying you don't want... I mean, you can be brilliant and strategize and be creative. I love doing that stuff. Like, I love thinking outside the box. And we're going to talk a little bit more practically about that next time. But don't substitute anything for the presence of God. That's what the scripture lays down. And then I think the Lord gives us total freedom to go nuts with all the other stuff, which is fun. But we need him. So, hey, that's all we got time for today. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. And this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, 
that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.